What's up, Midas Mighty, and welcome to the Midas Touch Podcast. Ben Mycellus joined by Brett and Jordy Mycellus. Whether you are tuning in by podcast, do you even use that tuning in on podcast or is that old school lingo? Or whether you are watching this on YouTube live, welcome to the show. Welcome to the movement. For those who are new, we have a lot to cover today and we have incredible guests today's theme is do it yourself democracy and we have two incredible guests that represent this theme probably more than most people out there um it's walter masterson walter masterson is a comedian you've seen him at the various MAGA and QAnon events. He finds his way to sneak in there. He told Matt Gates, you're definitely not a pedo. And that seemed to cause Matt Gates some uncomfort. You've seen Walter Masterson's video all over TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, you name it. A big friend of Midas Touch, Walter Masterson is a guest. Then after Walter, we have Lauren Windsor. Lauren Windsor is an incredible a uh, creative content creator. She runs the Undercurrent TV. You've seen Lauren at all these events as well. She embeds herself in uh, rallies. She's there at the airport confronting uh, political leaders as they as they arrive in D.C. She is relentless in her quest to bring the truth. So excited to speak to Lauren Windsor. It sounds like a law firm in many ways. Masterson and Windsor. Oh, there you go. Is this just just your way of weaving in that you're a lawyer again? This is how you're going to do this episode? Masterson and Windsor sounds like two different countries in Game of Thrones. Okay, I'm uh, just going to ignore team, that for now. I feel like Windsor. you're bearing the lead here with Windsor, too. Uh, Windsor is total expert at her craft. She's incredible. Most people will quickly remember this week, she confronted Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates at a rally and repeatedly asked Matt Gates, are you a pedophile? Are you a pedophile? Are you a pedophile? And for whatever reason, Gates refused to answer. You see, her and Walter take different approaches. Walter yeah. approaches it with the comedy. Walter gets in there. He asks the funny questions. He gets people to say some outrageous things without much effort because these people just spout outrageous shit in their daily lives. And Lauren embeds herself in in a way where she just kind of lets people talk and sets them up to, you know, she gives them enough rope to hang themselves, so to speak. And so she got Ted Cruz to admit that he led the insurrection on January 6th. That was a pretty viral moment of Lauren Windsor. I think we all remember that. And then instead of saying to Matt Gates, hey, you're not a pedophile. She said, are you a pedophile? And either way, Matt Gates just seems to run away. He doesn't want to answer the question. What is it, Matt? Tell us. What is it, man? Do it yourself, democracy. And we have these individuals on to show you who are listening to this podcast, to those watching this podcast on our YouTube live stream, that whatever your talent is, whether it's comedic, whether it's art, whether it's being an attorney, an activist, an educator, um, whether it's performing, whether it's being an architect, whether it's design, um, no matter what your talent is, or whether it's just using your voice, which shouldn't just be just, each one of you have the ability 
to be, as we like to call ourselves, accidental activists. We didn't just wake up and just say, hey, this is what we need to do. We were fed up with all of the corruption, with the fascism that was taking over our nation. And we said, we want to put it to work. So we want to showcase these two incredible individuals today. But there are others out there doing it. Yes, Brett. I want to thank everybody out there who subscribes to our YouTube channel and watches. We got an incredible award this week. And I wanted to just thank everybody for our YouTube Silver Award. Uh, We're currently at 130,000 subscribers to to YouTube. But I'm I'm really excited about this because, as many of you know, I've worked in the digital industry at managing accounts. I used to work for the Ellen DeGeneres Show and other accounts. And at Ellen, when I worked in the digital department, we had these plaques on the wall. Of course, they had 100,000, a million, 10 million, you know, it just kept, kept going up. But we valued these very much. And it was very cool to see them on the wall. The fact that the Midas Mighty now has its own silver YouTube plaque is, is just a really cool thing. And thank you to everybody. This and is that's the biggest point. It's not, it's not the Brothers Award. It's the Midas Mighty Award. And it's not possible without this amazing group who tunes in every week. So thank you all. We're going to keep on going. Two points I want to make before diving into the news. One, one of the funny things about that plaque is, wasn't that plaque supposed to be delivered to you, Jordy? I thought there was. It was. Yeah, yeah. no, it it was. Somehow we got got multiple ones, but I got it's okay. Okay, Brett. I th- I'm pretty sure there is a message out there, which can we pull up the message, Jordy, and just post it up there for everybody out there where Brett says the plaque is coming to about. It is coming to Jordy. It just is coming it, later than Jordy. I, I want to be on your Jordy has team. The, Jordy has the shipping ben, information already. The problem is the receipts don't line up with the story that we're trying to architect here. Yeah. And frankly, that's true. But it's kind of a partial truth because there was a bit of a more of an exchange. Brett said that he was getting the award first. Again, I want to be on your side, but Brett's going to no, hit us with those receipts. Yeah, pull, pull up, pull up the text message. Put the <laughs> screenshot right there. It's right there. Instead, for you I'm evaluate. putting up the receipt of Jordy's award that shows that it's in the process of shipping to Jordy, and I don't control YouTube That's shipping fine. schedule. Second, happy birthday, Midas Keisha. Let's Midas go, Kyle, Let's go. One of the incredible parts about. Starting this Midas movement is meeting so many incredible uh, people. Um, Midas Keisha became Midas Keisha within like three or four days of Midas Touch starting. She's been incredible, motivating force in our movement. And we just want to wish her a very happy, happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Midas Keisha. Happy birthday, Um, Keisha. Moving on to the news. Let's talk about what everyone um, is talking about. But let's dive slightly deeper on the select committee that is examining and investigating the January 6th insurrection. Uh, Earlier this week, the commission was uh, first publicly impaneled. The law enforcement officers told their incredibly compelling Mm -hmm. stories. We've had Congressman Eric Swalwell on here who told us that he thinks that many people in Trump's orbit are going to be subpoenaed. Play the clip from Congressman Swalwell on what he said on the Midas Touch podcast. With the Senate having to confirm Joe Biden's nominees, wanting to get COVID relief and infrastructure done, the pressure of the Senate was bearing down on us. And I I don't think the select committee has the same pressure. And I hope, uh, as Chairman Thompson has said, you know, no witness is off limits, which would include, you know, Trump, McCarthy uh, at all. So to that end, you heard it there from Congressman Eric Swalwell. And look, we bring you the news here on Midas Touch podcast first. This isn't no sound bite news program. We let people deliver you the truth. And here's what we learned 
um, just this week as well. The Department of Justice issued a decision by letter to the select committee that was obtained by multiple sources, which stated that they were not going to recognize as the DOJ the executive privilege on behalf of the Trump administration officials. Now, what does this mean? Executive privilege could be asserted as a way not to testify at hearings by asserting certain privileges that are recognized at law. There's like attorney client privilege. There's other privileges as well. But one of the main privileges is executive privilege, where under the Trump administration, Basically, everybody in Trump in in Trump's orbit invoked that to say, you can't call us to testify. Well, here the DOJ said there is no executive privilege here. And this is interesting for a number of reasons. There's been a lot of frustration at the DOJ over it recognizing the executive privilege in certain circumstances, which we've talked about on the Midas Touch podcast and Legal AF. Specifically, as it relates to the E. Jean Carroll defamation lawsuit against Trump, there the DOJ said, well, because the questioning of Trump was at a official press conference, we believe there is executive privilege in that situation such that the DOJ can substitute in, which caused a lot of frustration. Second, we saw executive privilege recognized with respect to the Lafayette Square attack on peaceful protesters, where, again, the DOJ said that that was within the course and scope of being an executive. And here, that there's a change, saying this is distinct. And this is distinct because look at the words of what Trump and others were saying. They were talking about campaigning. They were talking about winning an election. They were talking about taking back, I mean, in in fascist terms, um, power in a dutifully pursued and elected uh, uh, election. So at the end of the day, they're saying this is not subject to it. So that's interesting. What does that mean? Donald Trump could be subpoenaed. Donald Trump's inner circle could be subpoenaed. That was my breakdown. That was a very astute analysis. I just kept thinking to myself, he's brushing the cobwebs off, man. He hasn't done a legal AF pod now in two and a half, three weeks. I thought we were going to do one together, but it just never panned out. I won't get into that here. Taking LSAT practices. (laughs) Won't get into that here, but I'm excited, Ben. You got some news for the folks. Yeah. That we absolutely got news for the folks. We There will be another Legal AF. Popak has finished his, Michael Popak, my co-host on Legal AF, has finished his, I think, two to three month vacation. <laughs> we're, we're way too lax. What are we, France? We're way too lax on vacation policy. No, at we're all for, we're no cheap shots for, at France. Let, let's be clear. We're all for vacation time at Midas Touch. I'm we're just all for, messing around. We're all for work-life balance. But to be fair here in this situation, Popak genuinely didn't fully express to me what this vacation was going to be like. I thought he would at least be in hotel rooms where he could record the podcast or be able to like figure it out. But this man was like backpacking through. I saw the video he put out the other day, though. He is like tanned. He looks relaxed. He's going to be ready to go this Sunday. And one of the things that I, uh, you know, when I was reading the brief that DOJ filed about this, they said something that, you know, is so silly that the DOJ actually had to write this in a memo. But they 
said, you know, instigating an attack on the Capitol would not actually be part of Mo Brooks's official duties as a representative. <laughs> yeah. That's instigating, wild. instigating attacks on the Capitol, not your official duties when you're an elected representative. I think that's uh, quite the astute legal opinion of the DOJ. But this really opens up a whole host of options now to pursue Trump, to pursue Mark Meadows, to pursue Jim Jordan, to pursue all these people who have had some involvement. You're talking Rudy, you're talking Don Jr., you're talking Josh Hawley, you're talking Ted Cruz. I mean, all these people now, I think, are susceptible to subpoenas, and I think they could get in front of there to testify. Now, what will that do? That was to be determined, but I think Speaker Pelosi has handled this absolutely masterfully so far. I think if anyone had any doubts, and I don't think any of you had any doubts about her decision, but I think Politico did to not have, you know, Jim Jordan and Jim Banks on this committee. I think what we witnessed during this committee it vindicated Speaker Pelosi's decision 150%. We saw that Liz Cheney had a very important and involved role in the select committee. We saw that Representative Kinzinger had a very involved leadership role in this committee. They were getting at the truth of what happened that day. And even in what we've seen so far, I think the testimony has been extremely powerful. And I really feel a seismic shift in politics over these past few days since these hearings have begun and a seismic shift in Trump's power. Now, I'm not saying that he is powerless, but I think that we've seen a chipping away at Trump's influence, at least little by little. We saw that he backed a House candidate the other day. Um, the candidate's husband had died due to COVID-19. Um, unfortunately, you know, we have a lot of people spreading disinformation and they end up dying of COVID. And the white, the widow was running and Trump backed her and lost that election. We see now that he could be subpoenaed and could actually be facing legal trouble for the insurrection, among other areas. The 17 Republicans Republicans decided to go away from Trump to vote for President Biden's infrastructure bill to move to the next phase. And we'll get into that more later. But I think you're starting to see all these signs where people are having enough of this just nut job, uh, you know, guy living in Florida or Bedminster, wherever he is. That doesn't mean the GOP is any less crazy. In fact, I think they're going to triple down on their craziness. I think the more that you see the walls closing in here, the more that people are exposed to the truth of what happened on January 6th and the complicity of the Republican Party in the attack on January 6th, the more crazy batshit behavior you will see from these people. And here's what you got going here, Jordy. You got a Democratic three-dimensional chess match versus fascist QAnon checkers. Okay, that's what's going on. You have people like Merrick Garland, Nancy Pelosi, who are incredibly bright and brilliant politicians and strategists in mapping out these things against kind of just shoot from the hip, but totally dumb and off base messaging coming from the new GQP leadership that runs the Republican Party. And again, I'm very critical of Merrick Garland's decision not to um, contest executive privilege, to go along with executive privilege when it comes to the E. Jean Carroll um, case and when it comes to um, uh, arguing in favor of immunity um, for 
the DOJ, Trump and Barr in connection with the Lafayette Square attack. But just think about how Merrick Garland did play this out, though. Think about what a credible actor he will look like now when he goes in front of district courts to make his argument why Donald Trump should be subpoenaed in where it truly kind of matters at the heart it's a great point of our of, of yeah. our democracy like to some extent at the end of the day we know donald trump's a fascist and so at the end of the day the lawsuit against lafayette square while it should be definitely pursued its outcome is truly not a make or break for democracy and while donald trump's heinous acts with respect to Eugene carroll should be held accountable it is a individualized lawsuit that that impacts a finite group and not the overall state of our democracy. But here, when it comes to January 6th, Merrick Garland and the DOJ are going to go in front of federal courts and going to say, look, here's where our distinctions end. We certainly recognize the fine edges of the executive privilege document and arguably the E. Jean Carroll, the Lafayette Square, just fall into that executive privilege argument, Your Honor. But when we move a little bit over here, we're no longer in that territory. This is clear campaigning and outside executive. That's exactly what Merrick Garland doing. And that's what very smart and sophisticated lawyers in the DOJ are strategizing. And, and look, similarly- going back to that point about 3D chess, though, you're 100% right, Ben. Like Pelosi is playing 3D chess in the aspect that, look, if Jim Jordan's on the committee, he can't be subpoenaed to go and speak. Now that he's not on the committee, I think he was genuinely shook. He openly admitted to now for the first time ever speaking to Donald Trump on January 6th, the day of the insurrection. Brent, I think we have that clip, right? Did you talk to the former president that day? I've talked to the former president umpteen times, thousands. I mean, I may not thousands, I mean, on times, January countless, 6th. countless times. I talked to the president. I never talk about what we talk about because I just don't think that's appropriate. Just like I don't talk about what happens in Republican conferences. So sure. I've talked to the president numerous times. Uh, I continue to talk to the president. No, no, since no he's I mean, left on office. January 6th, Congressman. Yes. I, I mean, I've talked to the president. Uh, I've talked to the president so many. I can't remember all the days I've talked to him, but I've certainly talked to the president. Yeah. So you see there, like Jim Jordan did not want to answer that question whatsoever. But I think that's what's so amazing about when you actually get people at in their what they think is their safe space, which is why they yeah. go to Fox, quote unquote, news, as we call it. Um, when they go to Fox, they think that they'll be OK. And then occasionally, once in a blue moon, they'll get a question that throws them. And the question of did you talk to Donald Trump the day of the insurrection just totally threw Jim Jordan and he didn't know how to respond. So this opened the door up to subpoenas for Jim Jordan. Mo Brooks admitted Dude. that he was wearing body armor that what? day, January 6th. So to me, Ben, and you could tell me from your legalese, that leads me to believe that he thought there were threats abound as he was riling up this crowd for literal war. But he also slept in his office that night. He didn't go back to his apartment. He slept in his office. And then you then you marry that with the idea of what Marjorie Taylor Greene tweeted on July 28th, where she said, at Speaker Pelosi, why didn't you have the National Guard at the Capitol on January 6th? You were given intelligence about threats of violence ahead of time. You ignored the pipe bombs at the RNC and DNC on January 5th. Why aren't these questions being asked during your witch hunt? Well, Marjorie Taylor Greene, because nobody except you apparently knew about pipe bombs on January 5th being planted at the DNC. So I'm giving them way too much credit when I'm talking about even calling it fascist checkers. They're 
ideating criminal conduct in tweets. But honestly, it's it's part of the playbook that Trump would do. He would admit to a crime openly in a public forum. It's what his kids do. And they expect just because they're they're the ones saying it, that it's no longer a crime. No, we're going to investigate all of that shit. And you're all going down. Talk about these lines of attack, though, Brett, from the GQP, that they are blaming the Democrats for not doing enough to apparently stop the insurrection that they that the GQP encouraged, which the GQP tries to minimize by calling it an altercation. So I'm just trying to understand. You can't, what- there's nothing to understand, Ben. I mean, as this goes on, as the more and more testimony comes out, as the American people see firsthand via footage and firsthand accounts as to what happened on January 6th from law enforcement and from others involved, the Republican Party is going to become increasingly conspiratorial. They're going to continue to blame the victim and ramp up attacks on those who were actually attacked and threatened that day. And so right now they are blaming Speaker Pelosi for the insurrection, which is just absolutely appalling, especially because, well, Donald Trump actually controlled the Department of Defense. And Donald Trump was the reason that the National Guard was not there that day, not Speaker Pelosi. But they will try to blame Pelosi. They will try to cause any distraction whatsoever. And we just need to be laser focused on the truth and getting the truth out there because they know that as Americans see these attacks over and over, as that is beamed into the living rooms of Americans across this country, it is absolutely indefensible to anybody who is not within the Trump cult. There's actual video of Donald Trump and his family members watching the insurrection happen on TV yes. as though they were watching like the Super Bowl yep. and they were like cheering it on. Like when the calls were being made uh, for the National Guard to be activated, and we know all of this because we have the statements by credible Republican governors like Larry Hogan of Maryland here, just if you can, Brett, play the clip. And and this is an important one just to remind everyone what Governor Hogan of Maryland said when he tried reaching out to the National Guard, what he was told. We were repeatedly being told by the uh, National Guard at the national level that we did not have authorization. Uh, I was actually on the phone with uh, Leader Hoyer, who was pleading with us to send the guard. He was yelling across the room to uh, Schumer, who, and they were back and forth saying, we, we do have the authorization. And I'm saying, I'm telling you, we do not have the authorization. Uh, and so we had multiple times, the general was, we running up the flagpole, we're ready. Don't have authorization. Don't have authorization. And we all remember that. And we all know the truth of that day. And Republicans are trying to erase the truth of that day. And it's really dystopian. It's Orwellian. And it's really un-American. And it's really unfortunate to see a major political party downplay a terrorist attack against our country. It's really heartbreaking. Every time I see the raw footage, it is it, it really makes me sad. And the attack, obviously, made me incredibly sad. It was a tragic day. People were hurt. People were killed. But the cover-up, the attempted cover-up by the Republican Party, the ongoing cover-up, the fact that the insurrection is still going on, but now it's moved into the halls of Congress. 
it is it really breaks my heart and we just need to stay strong and expose the truth and i think this is a good analogy throughout i mean we do it yourself democracy number one but then there's three-dimensional democratic chess versus this kind of fascist QAnon checkers taking place so we have two things simultaneously going on because democrats and competent people can multitask On the one hand, you have the January 6th commission highlighting the worst of the worst strains of fascism in this country. And then, though, you have you have some positive, you have some good news, you have some actual legislation for the people that's being pushed with a bipartisan infrastructure plan, which Donald Trump has adamantly opposed, basically calling his own party traitors. If you support infrastructure for the people, when it was Donald Trump who actually claimed to have an infrastructure plan every week coming, but he didn't know how to write an actual infrastructure plan to begin with. You know, I I guess I am excited that there is a infrastructure deal. The Senate advanced a 1.2 trillion dollar infrastructure deal, which is indeed a bipartisan breakthrough where there were 17 Republicans who joined Democrats on key procedural votes. And this was um, in the face of Donald Trump calling them traitors if they would support infrastructure. I mean, it's the most absurd thing. The guy was talking about infrastructure for four years and couldn't write anything. And so now he's against infrastructure. You're not. It just goes to show you. And Brett, you mentioned this on the last podcast. Uh-huh. Jordy, you've said at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. The policies are irrelevant. If you don't agree with Donald Trump's form of fascism, mm-hmm. you are a traitor in their minds. There is no coherent policy or anything. And this is just an example that's so glaring. And that's why, Ben, it frustrates me so much when you see people say that, oh, Democrats, Republicans, two sides of the same coin. You have Republicans who literally led an insurrection and a terrorist attack against the United States government, first of all. You have the Democrats who are supporting Capitol Police, who defended the Capitol, who are supporting America, who are pushing through this infrastructure bill, and who would have pushed through infrastructure when Trump was president. They wouldn't have viewed it as a partisan thing. They wouldn't have said, oh, we're traitors if we support a legitimate infrastructure bill because Trump put it forward. No, Trump was just too much of a loser to even assemble an infrastructure bill for anybody to even see. He talked about infrastructure week every week. The guy couldn't even put it to paper. This infrastructure bill um, is certainly not the bill that the Democrats wanted. The Democrats had a $3.5 trillion um, bill. Um, unfortunately, Senator Cinema of Arizona, uh, Kristen Cinema, did not support this bill. Um, which if she supported it and Manchin supported it, and Manchin indicated that he was going to, it was likely to support it. And it could have been passed through what's called the reconciliation process. A lot of that bill, it could have gotten passed, but cinema didn't agree with it. It's just interesting. Just I'm going on a bit of a tangent here. Did you see the poll um, that was like 66% of Democrats in Arizona want cinema primaried and said that they would vote against her. 95% of Arizona Democrats approve of Biden. 75% approve of Mark Kelly. Only 42% of Senator Cinema. She's clearly not on the right side of this issue no, in her home no, state. No, no, because Cinema got elected to get shit done. 
not to hold shit up. That's why people voted in 2020. That's why we won Georgia. That's why we won these seats in Arizona, because Democrats want fighters. Democrats want people who are going to go in there and they're going to get people COVID relief. They're going to pass infrastructure. They're going to do stuff for the American people. They're going to pass democratic and progressive policies. That is where Kristen Cinema owes her entire elected office to, and she is betraying her constituents every time she does stuff like this. And it's why we need to expand our majority, but it's also why, why in this current moment, we need to keep the pressure on Senator Cinema so that we can pass this $3.5 trillion reconciliation package so that we could have a full and complete infrastructure package between these bills. This is as important as it gets. Our infrastructure is how we literally it's roads and bridges. It's when people think about government, it's what they think about. It's modern infrastructure. It's broadband. It's internet. Imagine living your life without internet access. Imagine living your life without roads. For many Americans, that's how they are still living. Like we are a third world country. And that's why we need to modernize our country, modernize our roads and bridges, modernize our airports, modernize our broadband, especially in rural areas that currently do not even have access. They're still using dial-up. So people are still using dial-up in the United States of America. These should be public utilities. And we you dial-up shaming? Uh, yeah, I am. We shouldn't be using it. I'm, I'm shaming the people who are forcing dial-up upon people. There we go. Therefore, not giving Just them the to make opportunities that, that other Americans have to succeed. We need a level playing field in this country. And that starts with infrastructure for everybody in this country. And everybody should get behind this. You too, Kristen Cinema, Get behind your constituents. And if you're in Arizona, write to Kristen Cinema, send her an email, send her a letter, call her office and tell her why passing infrastructure is so important to you and remind her why you probably voted for her. And can, I just add, can I just add this too before Ben jumps in? Is that depending on the news source that you read this report in, you get either A, the accurate interpretation that cinema has been just a pain the whole process all the way through, or you get the Rudders approach, which is Kristen Cinema. Reuters, Reuters, Reuters. They're saying Reuters, Reuters News, Rudders, like New Jersey. Yeah, Rutgers? like Rutgers. Yeah, like Rutgers, like the university. Correct. Is that not it? Oh, you're saying what are you talking? What is what's the Rutgers approach? Well, if you can just give me like three seconds, I'll tell you how they framed it. They made her out like a hero. Rutgers, Why was Rutgers, Rutgers University? Just go on. <laughs> I'm trying to I understand what routers. I fucking sound like Trump now. The routers, the routers, the routers. No, you're talking but, about the news organization, not the New Jersey Uni Public University. Yes, I don't know why this is so hard. Because you said Rutgers. You said no, Rutgers. I didn't. I said you literally Rutgers. just embraced Rutgers like the university. This stays in the pod. Fine, it can't come out. We're live. <laughs> this is the most like I'm so angry right now. I, what are anyway, you talking about the routers? The news organization. Rudders, not pronounced routers. I refuse <laughs> to call it routers. Pronounced Reuters. We are losing viewers by the second. So anyway, that news organization framed this as if Kristen Cinema like saved the day. This is how they said it, since I'm the one who pulls you know, the outline before we start reading, is, is Senator Kristen Cinema of Arizona, who was leading the talks for the 10 Democrats at the negotiating table, told reporters at Capitol Hill, we're very excited to have this deal. And so that she's spoken with President Biden about it. Biden later told reporters he was feeling confident about the bill. I mean, look, there's two sides to every coin. 
maybe I'm reading too much into that, but they framed her to be like some hero in the situation when honestly she couldn't have been more of a pain. I, I don't disagree with you, Jordy. And, and that was NPR that uh, wrote that, not not uh, not Reuters. So uh, so uh, yeah, I'm like I'm like first off, I'm like Reuters is a news agency that literally just like publishes like they're like a wire agency, like a wire agency. I, that was I, okay. Okay, let's get back to the theme here. Do it yourself, democracy, everyone. And here's what I want to say though, and this come is what back, I, Jordy. This is Jordy what I think of the building. Well, we need Jordy to come back for the next interview for the one question he's going to ask our guests. But before Jordy comes back, I'd like to say the following. Do-it-yourself democracy is more important now than ever. The GQP right now is on the ropes. They literally look like the craziest people publicly, and they can't even get their own messaging across. On the one hand, you have Mitch McConnell out there and you have people like governor hutchinson republican from arkansas you have people who are looking at what the polling is actually showing which is that people support wearing masks if it helps people and keeps you staying safe and people support vaccines and people trust dr fauci and so you actually see on some sides people on the Republicans saying you need to you need to take this vaccine. What are you doing? You're causing the Delta variant to spread. And on the other hand, though, the loudest voices in the GQP, the Marjorie Taylor Greens and others in her ilk who are out there front and center are out there acting like wearing a mask and not wearing a mask is, is a civil rights issue to their basic liberties. And that the most important right. thing is for them not to wear a mask on the floor of the House of Representatives or, or in the Senate chambers. Like, that's not a civil rights issue. Just wear a fucking mask. Nobody goes out there and like loves the concept of wearing a mask. I don't wake up thrilled. Well, I'm going to wear a mask today. That just excites me. Yay, mask. But at the end of the day, I know if I have to do it, it's minimal inconvenience to me to help people at the end of the day. And it's crazy to be against that and champion not wearing masks as your major civil rights issue as you go and attack the police, as you go and attack the blue. Your whole And by the way, it's attacking the police at their most courageous moments. Like the critique from the left is systemic issues that surround over-militarization of police. But very few people look at the police saving somebody's lives and go, fuck that. Fuck that. That's a loser right there. <laughs> Spitting all over I mean, the it's always it's that's you know, a loser I mean, right he, there. Right. But that's imagine imagine if back during 9-11 and I hate to bring it to 9-11, but it's the you know, it's another terrorist attack in American history. If the Democrats, because George Bush was president, went fuck you, cops, fuck you, firefighters. What the fuck are you doing? You and then just use the names and oh, the dramatics, oh, the tears. Oh, they're trying crying. to get an Oscar. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what they did. What the GQP members of Congress did in this January 6th commission issue when when they're speaking about it on Fox, it's what Fox is doing. It's mocking people at their most courageous moment. It's literally imagine going to the prison where there are terrorists locked up and complaining about. First of all, I'll I'll say prison treatment is a real issue, but calling those people political prisoners for doing a terrorist act against the country. These people are despicable. These are disgraceful. And and I'll tell you what, and that's why we need you to be active. And when we come back from these messages, we're going to have Walter Masterson first 
on deck, and then we're going to have Lauren Windsor, and we're going to show you their styles of do-it-yourself democracy. I'm sick we'll of be it. Right back. We'll be right back after these messages. What's up, Midas? Are you trying to whistle there, Jordy? I am. I am. <laughs> well, listen, we're about to bring on Walter Masterson and Lauren Windsor to the podcast. And as you saw over this past week, we saw what defeats fascism, what defeats fascists. Apparently, all you need is whistle. a whistle. Whistle, whistle, whistle. That's it. It's that easy. And, and I can't whistle myself. I guess so. I wonder if Ben can whistle. <laughs> is it a thing that my Celis brothers cannot whistle? Oh, but here's right. the thing, guys. We have a solution to all you non-whistlers out there and to all the people. If, you know, you got fascists coming into town, if you got Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates coming into town, we are selling GQP repellent whistles. Yes, people have asked me, is that a real product? Is that, are you guys are seriously selling that? Because if you are, I'll buy one. Oh, we're dead serious about this. You could buy it. It says Q Busters on it. It's a Q, a non-buster whistle gqp repellent and you could get yours right now at store.midastouch.com and by the way brett another thing that you could do too is you don't have to wait for the politician to come to your hometown if you have somebody in your family who starts to spew the QAnon talking points <laughs> whistle go, whistle just right in their face make them shut up tell them to stop that like brett said store.midastouch that's m-e-i-d-a-s-t-o-u-c-h.com and go get your whistle today Welcome back to the Midas Touch Podcast. Hey, Nathan, you know who's in town? Sky Masterson. Sky Masterson's in town. No, it's not Sky Masterson. It's Walter Masterson. And if you know what I was doing there, that was my performance of Angie the Ox, a made-up character they gave me on the Guys and Dolls reprise for my sixth grade, but a far better comedic talent than myself is here you know him as the individual who confronted matt gates called matt gates not a pedophile which matt gates took extreme issue with oh my god i'm so, I'm so excited i'm so excited i mean this oh everyone thinks you're crazy i don't think you're crazy people think you're a pedophile i don't think you're a pedophile at all I don't think he's a pedophile at all. The charges against him are totally false. They're totally false. Oh, my God. Walter Masterson, welcome to the Midas Touch podcast. Although this, you know, that might be a little dated. I think a lot of people have been calling him a pedophile to his face recently. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and to that point, we have the yin and the yang there on this episode, Walter. We also have on this episode, which our theme is, do-it-yourself democracy, we have Lauren Windsor, who took the other approach, who just said, you're a pedophile, you're a pedophile, you're a pedophile. So yeah. for those out there who are living in a box, Walter, tell everybody what you did in the Matt Gates situation. So, um, so, okay, let me start from the beginning. So they were having like a VIP meet and greet. One of my fans sent this to me. They're like, God damn it. Can you do something like MTG and Matt Gates are coming to LA to do like this VIP meet and greet. And I was like, oh, I can just pay to meet them. I can pay money. I was like, hells yeah, let's go. <laughs> um, and I was like, thank you, MTG and Matt Gates. Like, so I paid, I signed up for the event and all day that day, they were shutting down venues because protesters, right? And you know, I was happy that they were, but I was also like, come on, guys, I'm, I'm trying to work here, you know? Like, um, but every time they shut down a venue, because I had paid for VIP access, I got a 
text message with the new location. So I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Meanwhile, on social media, every progressive's like, yeah, we shut him down. I was like, no, no, you didn't. I'm going to the next one. Like, leave us alone. I'm, this is delicate. Um, so they lost every venue. Then they decided to have it on the beach, on Huntington Beach. Like, hmm. you know, they're like, oh, meet us by this lifeguard stand, whatever. And then so all these suckers and losers lined up. And then um, I lined up as well. And uh, I'd, my friend and I, we were like debating the entire time. Like, he's like, dude, what you I was like, I just want to call him a pedo like six inches from his face. He's like, that's not very creative. And I was like, yeah, but what else? What else do you talk about right now? Like, there's nothing else to talk about. That's a forefront of conversation. I don't even know. And I was like, what do I even say to MTG? Like, you know, what, what do I say to this loser? And tell us how you were dressed, too, because it's a theme in all of your uh, videos where you embed in these MAGA rallies and you're always dressed to kind of fit the part. Um, and I would say you camouflage in the American flag. Yeah. So I was doing like this Patriot cosplay, this MAGA cosplay where I was wearing, you know, you know, flag shorts, flag shirt, flag hat, just the whole thing, just the whole Kitten caboodle. And the funny thing is, and the irony here is like these people who are at these rallies, they're doing the cosplay themselves. They just fully don't realize what they're even doing. And you're able to expose that. So obviously the Matt Gates was one of the most recent, but let's rewind here. Like, how did you even get involved in the first place in going to MAGA events and QAnon events? You know, I'm a performer. I'm just not. I'm not a, what I do becomes very journalistic, but it's not at all. And I hope no one confuse me, confuses me as a journalist because I'm a piss poor journalist. So I, I thought it was like great comedy. And I always like loved Borat and the daily show and what they do. And on top of that, it was like, there was just this is fueled by this just, you know, rage of like, all right, I know I can, you know, when you know, when you know certain talking points are nonsense and you're like, Okay, you know what? I know if I ask you three questions, you're going to totally contradict yourself, you know, and very quickly. So, I mean, uh, and so that was the, the motivation. And just the, the spark happened after, Tulsa, after Trump's Tulsa rally. Remember that faith thing where he thought he was getting a million people and it was like 3,000. And I, and I just kept telling everyone, I said, dude, like, why don't, if all one million of us had shown up, can you imagine that? Like if a million of us showed up to a rally, like and just booed them off the stage, like, and everyone's like, nah, nah. And I was like, this isn't cute. Like it was cute for the Tulsa rally. It was funny. But like after that, they kept doing it. I'm like, no, show up, boo them, make them look dumb. Don't show up for violence. Show up and make comedy out of them. When did this start? I mean, it started as, you know, I think. Uh... It started before the election. It started before the election, leading up to the election, I would go and it was it was always difficult to find people to go with me. Everyone was like, this is before the vaccine rollout. So there were multiple reasons why everyone was like, no, I'm not doing this. This is like insane on too many levels. And after the election, I thought I, I think about this a lot. I thought, well, that's it. You know, I guess I have to find something else to do because. There's not going to be any more rallies. Why would people still be talking about this guy after the election? <laughs> right. Like, and then mean, lo and behold, it was like I've been to more 
after the election. I'm like, these are non-election years where they're holding rallies. Let me read some of the posts that you've made where you've embedded yourself in these QAnon and Trump rallies. And by the way, your followings become massive. You got close to 100,000 followers on Twitter. On TikTok, you're at basically a million followers. Every video gets hundreds of thousands of views that you post on TikTok. But here are just some of the names for those um, listening or watching at home. Trolling the Q morons, trolling Giuliani, Trumpers walking away from rally, trolling anti-vax rally, stopping socialism with socialism. Which of these is your favorite? Trolling Andrew Giuliani was just it was just fun. I mean, that he was he actually was hard to pin down. He didn't really bite. I threw out a bunch of bait and he really didn't take it to his, to his credit. And then finally, at the end of the interview, he like bit down hard on nationalism. And I was like, wow, why didn't I just start here? Because um, I, I just said we need to end forced indoctrination. And then we have to mandate that everyone stands for the Pledge of Allegiance. And then it, and the video <laughs> ends with he and I reciting the Pledge of Allegiance together, like ex- with excitement. And we want to get forced indoctrination out of schools. 100%. Okay. It's, it's very scary. We need kids saying the Pledge of Allegiance again. Yes. And not kneeling. Yes. You know, and they can't Absolutely. kneel. They got to say it under God, indivisible, like every morning. Yeah. I pledge allegiance to the flag yeah. of the United States of America you know, under, under God, God indivisible, indivisible, with yes. liberty and justice for yes. all. So. Let's get the indoctrination out of schools, yeah. this forced indoctrination. Of course, no, do- no indoctrination, please. But the other thing which is important is, so the, you know, stopping socialism with socialism. I've, I've, I speak to so many Trump supporters, and I, if you use buzzwords, obviously they lock up and you get, it's a debate. But if you describe something without buzzwords and it's very basic terms, it's they're very agreeable. Like if you if you next time you're in a debate with someone, say, I want to audit the police. I want a full audit of where the money going is, what you know, and just say, listen, you know, the if you just defund, that just hits payroll and that doesn't really go after the higher ups, doesn't go after the big government contracts the with big tech that they have and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) It's actually, it's hard to, it's, they're actually pretty decent about it. And it's, you know, it actually forces a conversation um, because it's like, well, yeah, well, of course we want to protect the officers and not hurt their payroll. It's like, yeah. And we want to go after literally everyone else, um, you know, and stuff like that. So, or talking about socialism, I have like videos of Trump supporters full-on QAnon, people talking about, you know, like spouting anarchist communists like rhetoric. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, we did that. Like cancel the Catholic church. There's actually a fair amount of them that are not about the Catholic church at all. And I'm like, you go boy. Like you, you get it. Like, let's do this. So it's like, it's this weird thing where like, I found that they go fo- so far to the right. They just come out the other side. You know, like, you know, wealth tax, bring down the billionaires, bring down. Or if you say is the best part, if you say if something is part of the socialist agenda, you don't like something, make it part of the socialist agenda. So, you know, of course, Amazon's part of the socialist agenda. Uh, Pfizer, Moderna, they're all part of the socialist agenda. They need to go. Um, Billionaires pushing the socialist agenda, big banks. And then they're like, yep, yep. They're like, they get on board. Big banks, part of the socialist agenda. Dude. 
I, I'm, I'm not kidding. I've, I've had them tell me that, you know, the big banks are responsible for disseminating um, Karl Marx's work when he first published and that the big banks are the ones that distributed all of it. The big banks. Here's my question. Here's my question to you, Walter. Are you surprised though? And this surprised us though, that there are not more people actually out there in the field exposing what's going on for us we were shocked like why is it just us out there like where is everybody else because the hypocrisy is so it's so ripe for exposition oh i i don't know why more people don't do it because they are just wonderful comedic partners i mean it's just it like you're you're never going to find a better comedic partner it, it's so, and their timing is just, you know, the creativity, the timing, it's just perfect. And, you know, you know, in improv class, they teach you to work at the top of your intelligence and everything. So like, you have to know what a chair is. It's like, no, you can't just pretend to know. Like, what's that? It's a, it's a chair. You know what a chair is, you know, whereas the Trump supporters like that chair was made by Antifa and you're like, <laughs> yes, like, I don't know why more people don't do it. I mean, what do you have? Um, in local to me, you have like the Good Liars. You have uh, Crackhead Barney. I mean, those are the two the two big dogs that are you know killing it. Crackhead Barney has a whole different like methodology. You know, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm gonna have to, I'll have to check them out. Crackhead Barney is the opposite of me. I met her, I met her at rallies, and she's like, I go in under the radar. She goes in like lights and sirens. Uh, <laughs> she's a black girl that wears a bikini. And would just run up to people and just start cursing at them and being completely vulgar and everything. It's, it's amazing. Um, and uh, we're obviously everyone is familiar with the Good Liars. They're awesome. Good Liars are the best. We, we love them as well. And I know that you're, you're always able to expose the hypocrisy when you speak to them, like very clearly. You can get them to say one thing and then in the next breath, get them to say a completely different thing. What are like your favorite examples of that? What have you oh, seen the, the, the most? The best that? joke. I mean, it's it's old, but I, I do it again and again because it's just the timing of it is never it never fails. So it's, you know, talking about how Trump doesn't get enough credit for the vaccine rollout. And he got, he got it through all the bureaucratic hurdles because he's a businessman. Right. And they just are like, yes, yes, it's his vaccine. It's a Trump, you know, and in the same I used to think, oh, well, let me just wait a little bit and ask them if they've been vaccinated. <laughs> then I, now I just go right in. It's the, he's the best because a businessman. Are you vaccinated? No. Like, and they say it immediately, boom, like not vaccinated. And, it, and, and this is after, sometimes they'll even go into this lengthy explanation about how he really, really utilized the private sector in the, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, and then, and then just boom, right into it. Right into I'm not vaccinated and I'm never and I never will be. Trump doesn't really get enough credit for pushing the vaccine out really quickly, getting it out there, just, you know, greasing the skids and getting it, you know, on the market really quick. Do you think Trump doesn't get enough credit for getting the vaccine out so quickly? 100% agree with you. 100% agree with you. He got it out really quickly. He got the short end of the stick and they were very rude to him. I don't think, uh, you know, Trump gets enough credit for you know rushing to get the vaccine out biden took trump's vaccine uh, like it was trump's vaccine he doesn't get he doesn't get enough credit for yeah. getting it out there fast yeah, right, yeah. Are, you, are you so you're are you vaccinated 
Oh, no, 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 no. I just feel like the vaccine was way too rushed. I don't know. I just feel like the vaccine was a little bit too rushed. Yes, it was rushed. I didn't want to take it. I'm, I'm kind of scared. I feel like it's been rushed. It's not FDA approved. It's not FDA approved. It has been rushed. You are right. It just rushed it out there. And I'd, you know, I'd like to see more research. We all would. I totally agree. And what have you seen at these rallies in terms of like, have you seen them get bigger and bigger as time went on? Have you seen <clears> them, people get more kind of dejected by it all? Like what, what's kind of the passion out there? Well, well, the they're not, they're not fading. The, the problem is, is that your moderate Trump supporter, it's not your Trump supporter of 2016, 2018, your moderate Trump supporter believes really insane things. Your moderate believes in election fraud, believes uh, that January 6th was all Antifa, uh, stuff like that. So that's what is very disturbing to me to, to realize this, like someone that, you know, would seem like a, just a moderate that you could just get along with. And right. Stuff. Those are like the mainstream beliefs now yeah, are they like just, the craziest. They uh, voted beliefs. for Trump because they, you know, because, you know, they're conservative. That's it. And, um, and then they, you know, they seem sort of reasonable and then they, spout this you know you know rhetoric that i'm like this is insane this is ridiculous like walter i know you're not and i'm sorry brett printer i I know you're not a psychiatrist you know maybe some some skits you pretend to be one when you're there though in this sea of crazy like are it, it, it looks from the outside that these people are are just truly disturbed on a very deep-seated psychological level. Yeah, this, there's actually one thing that I really want to... I don't talk about it a lot. Actually, I don't, this is the first time I've talked about it publicly. So a lot of women that go to these rallies and they hold up signs that say, save the children, and they're big on the whole you know child trafficking, pedophilia thing. I've spoken to a lot of them, and here's the messed up part. A lot of them are victims of long-term sexual assault as children, not just one, a one-off. Like they were repeatedly molested by someone that they knew, a friend of the family or a family member, someone that was upstanding within the community. And here's the thing, you know, if you, if any one of us were to be accused of being a pedophile, you know, we'd all look at each other and be like, no, not him, not, not Brett, not, but, you know, but they have no problem believing that anyone can be a pedophile because the person that assaulted them when they were young was an upstanding member of the community. Right. They, so, and it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of messed up. I'm like, you know, you, you, and you, and they're very, you know, and they feel like, you know, this is a pain point that's been, you know, pinched for them. And that's, and they, they you know, and they're very like, they feel like they're crusaders of this. And it's it's like and then it's the odd part of it for me, and I'm sure for you as well, is always how they will bend themselves into a pretzel to defend Matt Gates or Donald Trump or other people who have been accused and very credibly accused of the things that they purport yeah. to be concerned about. I, I actually kind of like I wonder, like, if Trump ever dumped Gates, if Trump was like if he just was like, forget this guy, I don't like him. Um, he would be a pedophile tomorrow. <laughs> like they would, they would skewer, they would eat him alive. I totally buy that. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that makes sense here. Maybe hey, Walter, go, going back, speaking on Gates, 
going back, talking about that viral clip that literally, if you haven't seen, you must be living under a rock. During that segment, if you will, Marjorie Taylor Greene the whole time just has her thumbs up smiling, like the entire time. What do you think she was thinking during, yes, just like that. What do you think she was thinking during those, you know, 10, 15 seconds while you were there? Um, the same thing that she's always thinking, nothing. <laughs> I mean, have you heard the, I've heard her speak, like I've been at rallies and heard her speak. It's, it's, she's like frighteningly stupid. Um, she's like, she's, and like people send me her Instagram posts and they're like parodies. It's like, it's like she's going on with like the parodies that I have. Like I had this whole bit where I show up at an anti-vax rally saying, I don't listen to doctors. I listen to my roommate who's a personal trainer. Right. And she <laughs> like just made an Instagram post. I saved it where you, it's still there. And in the caption, it's like, listen, Dr. Fauci. And she like, I used to you know be a trainer. Oh I used to God. run a gym. And she talks about like the results that she got with her, um, her clients but from training them and, and like, this is her like defense and, you know, like her, the way she qualifies herself as like having a better, a better medical opinion. It's so like, you've been to tons of these events. It, is she the most full of shit out of all the politicians? Or is there one that, that really strikes a chord? Like, Oh my God, this, I, no, this person I, is I just straight she really yeah. believes it. I think she really, okay. I think she's that I don't, I think she's like the least intelligent and she believes all of it, you know, like, <laughs> It's not like, you know, you know, you know, like Tucker Carlson is actually a very smart human being. He used to be the chief editor of the National Review. He's Ivy League educated. Like he's even said in interviews, he knows that Venezuela isn't socialist and it wasn't a socialist uprising. It was a populist uprising. He's like said this. So he's smart enough. He's smart. And, you know, like, oh, he's not in public office, but he's he's like one of those people that's smart enough to know that he's being a white supremacist. Um, where she's just, you know, like, yeah, she's a true believer. Absolutely. A hundred million yeah. percent. She's a true believer. Yeah. Walter, what's next for you? I mean, I don't want to ruin your, uh, I don't want to blow your cover. I also wanted to talk to you. I just wanted to bring up your school board initiative that you were doing, which I think is really cool and unique. So why don't you just tell us about kind of what's going to do that. I'm going to be doing, um, I'm going to be speaking at school board uh, meetings about critical race theory as a Trump supporter. <laughs> and um my friend Max and I made a speech at a school board meeting as Trumpers, and it was it was glorious. And you know that's that's also what's like most super viral videos. My name is Walter Masterson, and I am an American and a patriot. I've never read critical race theory uh, like most of my conservative friends, but you know I did watch Tucker Carlson talk about it once. That was like a new level of trolling because immediately the progressives in the audience knew that this was satirical. They're like, this is satire. Like it's too over the top. <laughs> right. And the Trump supporters in the audience didn't know, like they were cheering, clapping. And I have that on tape. Like I've documented this and I'm like, wow, if I control a room full of people and get them to clap, you know, it's one thing I'm interviewing you and I, it's like, Oh, okay. I got you. I got you to contradict yourself. It's another thing. If you're, applauding and i just said something totally contradictory like i said in this speech i said we need to end forced indoctrination and right after that we need to make sure everyone stands for the pledge of allegiance every day and they're like yay 
And I was like, yes. And, and half the room had to be told that like, he's messing with you. He's not. And it was amazing. So I'm going to be doing that a lot. I'm trying to make an itinerary right now um, all over the United States of America. So if you're having a school board meeting and it's like in the United States of America, just DM me, slide in my DMs. Don't, you know, and don't tell me like how bad the school board is. I know how bad the school board is. Just tell me when this school board meeting is and can I give a speech? <laughs> exactly. And you could find Walter Masterson on all social media accounts. It's at Walter Masterson on TikTok. It's at Walter Masterson on Twitter. Walter Masterson also has a lot of incredibly funny gear memorializing um, a lot of the skits that he's done, go out and buy that gear. You could find the links on his social media accounts. Walter. Yeah, I, mean, I made a I made a T-shirt of me calling Matt Gates a pedophile. And it's a photo of me calling him a pedophile. And I own the rights to that photo. It's my photo. And the best part is that their security team took it, took that picture with my phone. I love that. <laughs> I, I, did, the, did their I security team take that. the entire video that went viral? No, my friend Max took the video. But he took it with his phone. But on my phone, they took pic- my pictures of me calling him a pedophile while, while MTG just holds the thumbs up. That's too good. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> I, I love the- that. This is the Midas Touch Do-It-Yourself Democracy Initiative. Go out there and do something, whether it's comedic expositions of fascism like Walter Masterson, whether it is what our next guest, Lauren Windsor, does by also embedding herself in events and exposing the corruption on the right. Do something. And Walter Masterson is a perfect example of a great, true American. Lauren Lauren Windsor, the other, she's the other one who called Matt Gates a pedophile. Yes, that's the theme of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) You don't get this this content on CNN, MSNBC. Absolutely not. Speaking of MSNBC, and I mean, um, you know, um, my Soros check is like two weeks late. And like the baby that I got was like, it had been dead for two days by the time I ate it. So, I mean, listen, just saying, you know, Midas needs to step it up a bit. I mean, when I got my baby from CNN, it was like fresh, you know what I mean? So just <laughs> FYI, I'm just I'm not, I'm not complaining, just saying, all right, I mean, you know, Midas has been great to me, but you know. Midas brothers need to step it up a little bit. Hear you loud and clear, Walter Masterson. But thank you so much for coming on our podcast and everything you do. We will be right back after these messages. Thank you. What's up, Midas Mighty? Ben Micellis here, joined by my younger brothers, Brett and Jordy Micellis. Have you got your Midas merch gear? If you haven't gotten your Midas merch gear, I don't know what's taking you so long. I got my gear. Most of the Midas Mighty got their gear. We have some incredible stuff. Isn't that right, Brett? 
That's right. And with the new CDC guidelines that say you no longer have to wear masks indoors or outdoors if you've been vaccinated, a lot of people have been asking us, how do you let people know you've been vaccinated? How do you know if you're around other vaccinated people? A lot of people are concerned. But, you know, we already thought about this, guys. We got our Vaxxed and Relaxed merch line. You could get it now if you still want to wear masks, if you still feel comfortable wearing masks around indoors or outdoors. We got the masks. We got the tees. We got the shirts. We got it all. And we got more on the way. So let people know you've been vaccinated. Shop at store.midastouch.com to get yours. And that's not all we have. We got the Club Democracy gear. We got the shout out to the Midas Mighty gear. We got it all. Go check it out. That's store.midastouch.com. Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. Do it yourself. Democracy edition. We are joined by I guess someone who could only be described as our hero, yes. Lauren Lauren Windsor. Lauren Windsor is a content creator, an executive producer, a political reporter, a leader in the democratic movement, the fight for democracy. Of course, she runs the Undercurrent TV. That's the Undercurrent.tv. Lauren Windsor, welcome to the Midas Touch podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. Big fan. So, well, we're a big fan of you, Lauren. So... Why don't you just let's start at the beginning, which is what has motivated you to have this kind of relentless, nonstop exposition of all that is wrong with this GQP and that you're willing to confront them, whether it's at the airport, at press conferences, like what, what, explain the drive. Well, I mean, you know, I've been doing this for I guess eight or nine years now, I, I launched a web show in 2012 with uh, the Young Turks uh, called The Undercurrent. And um, so it was originally like one of their uh, affiliate programs. And, you know, I've been doing it over the years um, and, and have broken some major stories. But, we, you know, really in the last year, we've just, you know, really hit in like on a sweet spot of there's a combination of uh, being more aggressive and like doing more undercover work for undercurrent, but like keying in on these threats to democracy is really like what drives it all is, you know, we were this close to, you know, having uh, an election overturned. And I feel very strongly that, you know, if there's anything that I can do to expose the people who are perpetrating that, that, you know, I'm obligated to do that. So. Let's let's talk about some of the recent undercover and let's say less undercover work that you've done recently. So I guess more of the undercover work. Um, uh, talk about the Ted Cruz interaction that made national headlines. So um, I've interviewed Ted Cruz on a number of occasions over the years, um, but this one really took off. And, you know, when we came out of the event, you know, looking over the footage, you know, didn't think it was necessarily like that newsy, but it was really just confirming his willingness to confirm, like take credit for leading the charge in the Senate to overturn the election um, really struck a nerve with a lot of people. You know, it's one thing when you know someone is doing something, it's kind of just like in the general sphere of knowledge. It's another when you're seeing it actually captured on video. It's just that power of video that hits people, you know, seeing somebody say that and having the cojones to say that, something that's like so blatantly unpatriotic really struck a nerve for most people. 
And it's that they're saying it and they believe they're saying it behind closed doors in safe spaces where they feel that they could truly be talking about what their true agenda is. And so you really embed in these events and you dress up and you play, you know, and you play the part um, to a T when you're at these rallies, um, do you have any, you know, there's a lot from the outside looking in that a lot of these people are, are crazy that these people, you know, are just straight up fascists that they're, you know, frankly idiots sometimes like when you're embedded there, what do you see around you um, that may be kind of a unique observation as you've gone to a lot of these uh, GQP events? I mean, this is really just um, an outgrowth of the Tea Party. So, you know, I got my start in politics being an Occupy activist and um, so much of what was going on with Occupy. It's, you know, there's a lot of actual overlap between Occupy activists and Tea Party type folks. And um, it's, I think this reaction to feeling helpless in a system that is broken and what has happened over time, because the right wing has um, been much more willing to heighten that politic- politicization, like take it to the extremes, is that you've seen, you know, people who are like Tea Party folks evolve into people who are, you know, QAnon folks, like willing to believe any conspiracy theory. So I think, you know, it, this is one thing that we really need to keep in mind, like when people talk about needing to be bipartisan and, you know, taking down the rhetoric, that really does need to happen. Obviously we can't negotiate with people who are unwilling to uh, really govern whatsoever, but we need to get back to a, a place where, you know, people across the political spectrum are actually like trying to forge some kind of compromises because right now it's just, you know, a devolving, like, vicious cycle. And talking about the, I would say, the less undercover um, work, you've confronted politicians in the airport to ask them questions that they've tried to hide and and not answer those questions. And just recently, you've made national headlines again. It seems like you make national headlines every day, though. On, on this case, confronting Congressman um, Gates in front of whatever the hell they call that, a press conference, an anti-democratic fascist rally um, outside of Capitol Hill, and confronted him and asked him a very simple question, which is, are you a pedophile? Are you a pedophile? Talk about the importance you think of asking these very simple but tough questions when really you're the only person I see really out there doing that. Well, thank you. Um, you know, I think that um, I'm in a unique position um, as an advocacy journalist to ask the questions that media, uh, traditional media is uh, too afraid to ask. And, you know, is that to say that there aren't like journalists out there that are doing, you know, the hard work of holding folks accountable. No, I'm not saying that at all, but um, so much of at least like broadcast journalism and and traditional like, you know, digital publication is just this desire to not rock the boat too much because you don't want to lose access to powerful figures. And I don't have 
that to worry about in terms of access because I don't have the access anyway. I'm independent. And if, if I'm going to get an interview, it's not because, you know, I, you know, wrote an email to somebody's communications director right. saying, hey, can you, will you, will you let me interview? Uh, have like five minutes from so-and-so. It's never going to happen. I have to fight for it. I have to go out and claim it. And so having that mentality of, of just like, I'm going to be really aggressive and hungry for the interview. I'm going to get in. I'm going to ask the questions that people want to know. And to that, Lauren, you look, you're, you're an expert at your craft. You've been to hundreds, if not thousands of these type of rallies or press conferences. Which politician in the GQP do you think is just like the biggest fraud? Like someone while you're sitting there waiting to ask your question, you think to yourself, like, how did the constituents even buy this BS? I mean, in terms of being, so if you want to say someone who's uh, just an out and out fraud, I would have to say it's Ted Cruz because he's definitely uh, smart enough uh, to know better. The man is Harvard educated. He, um, he knows better and he's pandering to the lowest, like worst form of conspiracy theorists in his party. And so, yeah, I would, I would say he's a fraud. If you want to talk about like, who's the most extreme, you know, it's, probably going to be somebody like, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene or Lauren Boebert. Um, Louis Gohmert's pretty extreme, but most of them aren't actually that clever. <laughs> I wouldn't use clever <laughs> as a word to describe them at all. I would say, you know, they're very dumb. And I think a lot of them, I think they believe uh, to some degree a fair amount of the lies that they're spewing. I would love to know, and now I don't want you to reveal any of your secrets here, Lauren, but I'd love to just know like the anatomy of the Matt Gates moment. Like, how did it come to be? Uh, you know, what's your prep like? You know, what, what does it feel like when you're in the moment and chasing him down, screaming the question? I'd like to just get in your shoes for a second. Well, so in the early years, I think um, I spent a lot more time trying to think of like every conceivable, you know, question that I might want to ask. Um, but, you know, I've gotten over the years to realize like having one question and sticking to that one question over and over again, is really like the best way. And you, you definitely want to like have um, wiggle room, like, cause this is all like looking for opportunities in the moment. It's what's like so great about this style of reporting because you're not setting up, you know, an interview with somebody ahead of time where it's like all of these parameters, this is like, you're basically like fishing, you know what I mean? Like you're out on an expedition and you don't know what you're going to get. You go in as prepared as you can as to like, you know, this is where it is. These are the people I'm dealing with, like doing, um, you know, a f research on the people that you're going to talk to. Um, but what is the one question? What's the burning question that you want to know? And like sticking with that, but also you know, thinking about as they're talking, what are other angles that now actually are open to me that I, you know, hadn't thought of before. So, I mean, there's a lot of in the moment sort of um, positioning and analysis and, you know, you're, it's a lot of competing things because you need to, you know, watch the person who's talking at the press conference, but then watch everyone that's around. What are the other journalists asking if they've already asked it, I can't ask that. So I need to pivot to something else. So like pivoting is super key, but knowing like scout, like looking around the location, wherever you are, like, what are the exits? What are the entries? Like, where am I going to go and move into place so that as soon as they're 
off stage, I can like swoop in to get an interview. I mean, you just have to really be on your toes and um, it really helps to have a, a you know good colleague, a, good, a camera person, co-producer with you. Um, Pete and I have been working together for years and we both just kind of like fall in lockstep of like, it, it's all this like dance. It's fun. It's really fun. And what's interesting, Lauren, is you were kind of warning everybody about this eight years ago, what you were seeing in the tea party. I mean, we think that this is somewhat of a new phenomenon, but really, you know, I think there's the meme of like the QAnon uh, movement now leading the Republican Party and the Republican Party thought that they had to bring that tea party along to get votes. But in the end of the day, they conquered the Republican Party. Um, and you were out there shouting that from the rooftops eight years ago, nine years ago. Um, do you think, though, now that it's become, you know, that it's reached such public attention that there's truly a way to, you know, de- defeat it? Or do we have this kind of alarmist, you know, three siren, uh, you know, call for democracy right now that's not going to get any better anytime soon? Well, I mean, I, I definitely don't think it's going to get better soon given you know just the dynamics with covid and um you know the attacks on you know the, our institutions of like science and public health um you know uh, there's i think a lot of economic lag to the public health crisis that we haven't seen yet and uh fully come to fruition and so you know i think that it, it's really tough to terrain and try to say, okay, we're going to dial back the, the rhetoric and everyone's going to go back to being like, you know, more collegial and, oh, let's, you know, work together in the spirit of bipartisanship. I mean, there's always been, you know, really heightened rhetoric from, you know, the, the hardest factions of the Republican Party. Um, I think that the key in changing the dynamic is, one, the media holding people accountable and stop really stopping with the, the bullshit false equivalencies between the two parties. Because to say that, yeah, yes, it's a broken system. And yes, you know, Democrats do some shitty things too. Um, but to say that they're anywhere like on par with each other is ludicrous. And I think that we need to be much more courageous as members of the media in, in calling people out for blatant lies. So the more that the media can expose the truth um, so that voters are motivated, you know, like I do believe that, you know, when you're showing the worst of these abuses, it, it sinks in with voters to say, you know what, I'm tired of this and I'm going to vote for somebody. Like I am going to remove you from office at the ballot box. But people feel like very, you know, uh, they just don't feel like their vote matters. And, you know, I really do worry if we don't get, you know, HR1 passed, S1 passed, um, you know, to have federal uh, federal baseline of, of voting rights that it, you know, that we're not too far from having an entrenched system where um, these people can't be defeated at the ballot box. And Lauren, finally, our theme of this podcast is do-it-yourself democracy. What do you say to the person watching this podcast right now on our YouTube live stream or listening it, listening to it who goes, 
I just, I don't think I can do what Lauren does. It requires too much, or I'm not sure I could go out there and do anything. What do you say to that person listening who's on the fence about whether or not they can make a difference? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, uh, everyone makes a difference in their own ways. And, you know, what I do is definitely not most people's cup of tea. Um, There's very few people doing the type of work that I do in in DC um, within the progressive movement. And um, that's not something that everyone has to aspire to. Like you should start, you know, dipping your toe in the water and uh, doing small things like, you know, voting in all of your elections, not just like every four years, you know, Um, sharing voting information with friends and family to make sure that they're voting, Um, you know, making like researching things um, to have cogent arguments and actually engaging uh, your friends and family in those conversations. I think that we've had a a lack of civil discourse in this country and, uh, you know, a a real refusal to, um, uh, you know, have a, a baseline factual analysis of things. And I think that, you know, I, any sort of turnaround of being engaged is going to be like, people just have to invest a lot more time to educate themselves on the political process, be engaged. Well, Lauren Windsor, it's been incredible fighting with you side by side. We look forward to many more years of doing that together. And I truly think that if we can expose what's going on and bring sunshine to all of the idiocracy that's truly represented by this new strain of GQP fascism, that we could be the difference collectively to try to bring hope and prosperity and just normalcy back to our country. And we appreciate you fighting for all of those things. You could catch Lauren Windsor at her social accounts, which is at L-A-W-I-N-D-S-O-R. That's at Law Windsor on Twitter at LaurenWindsor.com. And you could also watch the web show at The Undercurrent TV. Lauren Windsor, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much. And there you have it, folks. This is do-it-yourself democracy. I like to think that the Midas Touch Brothers do-it-yourself democracy, accidental activists. We like to encourage everybody out there to be the accidental activist. The fact that you're listening to this podcast right now just shows you have an interest in preserving and fighting for our democracy. And we can do it in a way that's fun. You know, one of the things that Lauren said that resonated so much to me during her interview is that where the right, where the crazy loony GQP side has been able to engage with these individuals is that people want hope. They want people who fight for them. And unfortunately, sometimes the loudest voices, the voices that encourage community, the voices that are inspiring people to get together, sometimes they use that for bad. And that's what we've seen with the GQP. You know, that's what we've seen with this fascism strain at these conventions. They're being led off the cliff by people who are playing, as we said at the beginning, fascist, totalitarian, stupid checkers who don't know what they're doing. And so it's important that all of us out here fight for what's right, to fight for our democracy every day, 
right here, right now. And so we appreciate that. And we appreciate you fighting with us. What an incredible addition. I love that theme today, having both Lauren Windsor on and Walter Masterson. I hope you enjoyed it too at home. We will see you on the next Midas Touch podcast. And for now, Jordy, what do we say? Shout out to the Midas Midas!